Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Environmental Social Justice. Today, we bring back Irving Sloan. He is the founder and co-CEO of Navigating Grace. So welcome back, Irving. I thank you for having me again, Wendy. Anytime. So today's topic is a very special one close to my heart. It is leveraging the youth energy to create impact. I personally love what the youth is doing in today's society. So Irving, could you explain what Navigating Gray is doing to leverage this? Well, at the core of Navigating Gray, um, we have our co-founder, my um, 16-year-old daughter. I was our co-founder. She's also our chief data and social impact officer as well. Um, we 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 try to create an environment where youth can 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 make a real real contribution, not one that uh, they're just interns or one that um, they're doing side work, uh, one that they're doing meaningful work. And so we fundamentally believe that we're in a space around ESG and social impact and sustainability where there aren't any experts. And yeah. so we kind of take those those preconceived notions of expertise, we throw them, throw them uh, on the side of the road and we keep moving forward with the, the mindset that everyone can contribute. You know, I love the fact that you brought your daughter in who's 16 years old. Um, my first job when I was 16, I was a file girl. I, I learned the alphabet really well and I learned how to pick up phones. And that was all I was useful for. And you're teaching your daughter actually business acumen, how to be a leader, how to deal with adults, how to make decisions. Um, that That's a very important thing. That's one thing I loved about Navigating Gray when we first met a few months back. Um, what was the spark for that? What did you say? You know what? I'm bringing my daughter in. She needs to be a leader. She needs to be brought up at this environment from the top, from the sea level, not as an intern. Um, you know, I think it probably started internally for me, you know, as I grew up, um, you know, my father worked quite heavily, he worked every day for a large utility. Um, and unfortunately, I needed a lot of time to spend with him and understand how corporate America worked. And so when I had an opportunity to leave corporate America, um, I, I told myself, I want to make sure that my daughter doesn't go down the same path that I did. I think uh, I personally struggle with confidence in certain cases where, you know, I don't know if I'm good enough. You know, I think it's something I can I can admit to. And I think that there's a lot of folks out there, whether it be, you know, professionals or kids who don't really know if they're good enough. Um, me and my daughter, we talk about it all the time. Is, you know, even though you tell her you're good enough, if she's good enough, uh, she sometimes doesn't doesn't believe until she sees it. And so the thought process of bringing my oldest daughter on and as well as bringing other youth on is I want to get them in in the rooms with other folks to see that other people are not, you know, they got flaws, too. They're, they're not uh, uh, these perfect individuals with these big titles and, and, and they know it all. Um, I want her to see that at a very young age. Uh, therefore, when she, you know, hopefully gets, you know, half my age, uh, she'll be able to have that confidence that she is, she is qualified. She is good enough. Um, and so that's kind of the premise behind it. And we're, you know, not just focusing on my daughter, but we're also focusing on other youth we have uh, involved in the company. And we're not, again, they're not just interns. They are doing real work. We have real expectations of them. Uh, we have arguments. Uh, we, we, you know, it's it's not all fun and games. Uh, and I think she gets to understand that at a very young age. You know, it's important that you teach that confidence young. I mean, we all suffer from imposter syndrome. I myself, when I would give presentations at conferences, I'd be up there thinking, who the heck am I being on this stage? Someone's going to call me out and say, you don't belong here. So that's very important that you are instilling that that confidence at a young age, because that will carry her through the rest of her life. And the fact that you're actually doing this for all youth. So it's it's not just your daughter who's involved. You are bringing in a lot of younger people. Yeah. Um, 
you know, we, we recently hired an uh, intern, uh, actually an intern, he's truly an intern, he's not uh, fully part of the company yet, um, and he's kind of working on some of our social media strategy. Um, we realized that social media was a, uh, a driver for, you know, engaging with the youth as a yeah. driver for, you know, getting messages out around uh, sustainability and social impact. Uh, I can tell you I'm not an expert at it, uh, but uh, my daughter and and uh, her friends, they're, they're, they are, and, and they really understand how to connect with the youth. And so they have this ability that I don't have, and, I, and we, we value that. So um, we look for, for not just my own, my own family, look for, for kids outside. Um, you know, I also think there's a little bit of a strategy around um, people in the sustainability space. Um, it can be very political in nature sometimes. Um, I feel like uh, the kids kind of take the edge off of things a little bit. People are a little bit more receptive to the youth. Um, and so we recognize that uh, as a strategy, um, people, you know, allow for the, the kids to make mistakes. They, uh, they have, a little bit more, have a little more leeway. And so uh, we leverage that. We feel like it's a competitive advantage of ours. Being allowed to make mistakes is actually very important. Um, you know, I was kind of brought up that you can't and that kind of, contributes to the whole imposter syndrome anxiety aspect. So letting people know the mistakes happen, which is why, um, you know, with this particular show, I don't edit. I let people know that, you know, I screw up terminology all the time. I misspeak. It happens. It's allowed. And Irving, one of the things you brought up that I loved um, that you mentioned before we started was the youth is not money driven. Not, not like what we were brought up with. They are, they want to do what's right for the world. Yeah, I think, you know, naturally, um, youth probably a little more, many youth are a little bit more privileged than we were growing up. Um, you know, I would say that uh, the things that youth strive for are a little bit simpler. They, they, they need a cell phone in many cases, and cell phone can do give them a lot of enjoyment by itself. Uh, you know, a lot of youth aren't necessarily running to get driver's license, um, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, uh, get out there and explore. Uh, many of the youth, um, they've, they've eaten nice, nice, nice meals before in their life. They, they've eaten, you know, sushi and, and some uh, boba and some stuff that uh, some of us probably have never tried in our lives. So I would say youth have grown up in a society now where they've experienced probably more than we did. Uh, and so now they're looking for something a little bit more meaningful. Uh, they're, they're looking for connections. How do they connect to their communities? How do they you know, make an impact on the world. Um, and so that's some of the things that we provide is we try to give them tangible things that they can truly make an impact on the world. And that's what, that's why they want to come work for us. Um, and it's not just, you know, a lot of times they talk about my 16 year old daughter, high school students, but it's also uh, college students. Yeah. You know, I remember uh, growing up in, uh, when I graduated from Virginia tech uh, as an undergrad, um, you know, my goal was just to make money. It, quite frankly, I didn't really care where I worked. Uh, I just wanted to make money. Yeah. Uh, I would say if I were to ask my daughter and as well as her friends, uh, money is important, but it's not the same. Uh, they do want to you know, make a, uh, enough that they can enjoy life. But uh, I think my goals were a little bit different. You know, I was really trying to think about starting a family and, and, and some of the, you know, kind of following the footsteps of my father. Uh, I think the youth is a little bit different this, this time. You're right. Um, I mean, I was raised, you just kind of get the corporate job, you get the, the house, the condo, the apartment, whatever, you know, you just keep doing exactly what your parents did, because that was the success. That was the measurement of success. And the, the kids that nowadays, they're like, well, I want experiences. 
I want to see more of the world. I want to do more things. I don't want stuff. And, you know, stuff is actually what kind of got us into this sustainability problem to begin with. But <laughs> we, we purchased a lot of stuff we don't need. So this generation is actually trying to fix that. They see, you know, the damage that's been caused and um, they want to change it. And with Navigating Gray, you guys are doing that by engaging the youth, bringing them at the sea level, at, expecting them to, to have the same kind of responsibilities as an adult, not a kid doing file work or answering phones. Yeah, and uh, again, it it's not easy. Yeah. Uh, there are some some knockout, drag out fights sometimes where we say, <laughs> "Hey, you know, I need this level of quality, and I need you to really own this. It's not a job, you know. It's it's you know, we're dealing with real people, and and people depend on you. And that's something that for most of us we didn't understand until later in life. We were, you yeah. know, we started out our careers, and we we're kind of an employee. Uh, then when you kind of move, transition to some of these white collar spaces, it's like you you have to own it. Uh, but it's been incredibly rewarding to see, uh, you know, when when the youth really put their mind to it. Um, I've been on uh, recently on a presentation. I was just floored uh, because how prepared they were, um, you know, how much detail it put in the presentation, how much like knowledge that they, they and expertise that they could share. Um, I'd say that they're equally as capable. Um, but you got to be patient, right? You got to be patient to 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 let them get up to speed, just like you were when when you were younger. Oh, and that's so important. Like, and also you develop this ma maturity at a younger age, which will only excel you when you enter, you know, the working world as an adult. Um, but I wanted to to revert back to when you talked about social media and the kids. <clears throat> um, you have these wearables. I actually grabbed mine. This is very important, just so people understand. These are a pair of glasses as I'm taking off my, my regular ones. And there's a little camera in there, right in the center. And people are able to do testimonials. You can get real world testimonials from people about what sustainability means to them, what energy burden means to them. What's the importance of that? I think people really need to understand the importance of actually getting documentation like this, the data. Yeah, um, I think, you know, a lot of times the data that we have today um, it's not at a, a, a stage where it's granular enough that you really can make um, educated decisions with. I mean, you, it's very high level, what I'm saying. And so um, the, the concept of the wearables is to really try to make some of these concepts cooler. I mean, if, if you were to ask, you know, 16 or 20 year old kid, uh, and I hate calling, keep calling kid, young adult, uh, <laughs> you, you would ask them, you know, would you want to go into sustainability? Um, the answer most likely is going to be no. That most of them don't understand it, right? They've never really been exposed to this stuff, um, and so I would say, you know, the wearables add kind of a cool factor to it, but it also adds uh, a factor where we can capture information. Uh, we can not only capture like like most people are capturing like surveys, right? They're capturing this quantitative data. Uh, it doesn't have a contextual base to it. Whereas we capture videos through those glasses, we capture the context. And I always say the context is where the value is. And so we're able to take the context from those videos from, you know, we kind of remove the barrier uh, where people have to come to a stakeholder engagement meeting or have to come to some, some place where they can, you know, talk about, you know, what they're struggling with or what they see in their community. We take that all away. We go to them, right? Which yeah. is, is much different uh than most people are doing i mean people do on occasions they 
you know, they go out and, and troll the, uh, the neighborhoods and they, they ask for feedback. But honestly, um, we do a little bit different. Uh, again, we, we, we meet people at malls. We meet people at community centers. We meet them just wherever they're at. Our team is, is all over the place. And so the wearables create that cool factor that uh, some of these topics just don't necessarily have. Um, that's, that's the importance of the wearables. But also, I mean, let me just hone in on that granular data. A lot of people, when they're taking this data, it's by com you know, county or city. You're doing by zip code and individual communities and individual people. So you're really getting some very specific data that's going to build out this huge database that will let us see what trends are happening, which cities are more educated on sustainability, who's actually getting some of this renewable energy in their towns and their neighborhoods, where we're seeing the change happen. That's going to be some very, very exciting information. Yeah. And then and again, the wearables and the whole concept of trying to make it, I would say, cooler, make sustainability and social impact cooler. Um, there's some awesome aspects of gamification that we're applying yes. to this space as well. You know, making it fun. You know, we joke about, you know, um, one of my, my kids introduced me to Pokemon Go and I was out there trying to find these Pokemon, these imaginary uh, creatures uh, throughout the neighborhoods. But creating some, some concepts around that. How do we make it where we can gamify it, where it's actually fun, it's enjoyable, we get large community of folks on the platform. Um, you know, obviously we use utilize social media to, to market it, but um, we're, we're, we're going into a space that we're really excited about that we don't believe it's been tested before, where we're, we're actually making these topics fun, enjoyable, trying to get the masses uh, yeah. in some of these communities that quite frankly, uh, today we don't have access to, uh, which can, we don't have, ac we have access to them, but we just don't, we don't go, we, a lot of folks don't go into those communities. Oh uh, yeah. And you know, the, the whole point with the gamification and making it fun is people will learn without realizing they're learning. Yeah. And, you know, when I was a kid, they tried that with a multitude of things of, you know, word association or games, you know, flashcards, whatever. This is actually fun stuff. This is actually like a video game, but you learn through the video game. So very exciting things coming through and something the kids all engage in. And yes, we, I, anyone under 30, I call a kid. Okay. But <laughs> it's, yeah, it's how I was brought. My dad called me kiddo until, you know, I was like ever, like always did, but um, it is the way it's going to go. I mean, the youth today, they're not going to sit down in a classroom or sit in a library and pull out a book and read through it. They want to engage. They want to interact. They want to interact with each other worldwide. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, we talk about relationships a lot and navigating great. A lot of our socioeconomic models are built about how do you, you know, build these these true impact relationships with one another. I think one of the biggest things that, you know, is probably keeping sustainability, social impact moving forward is, is the relationship piece of it. Do you really have relationships with communities? Everyone thinks they do until you go out to the community, start asking around and they say, we don't know what you're talking about. Um, yeah. And so um, I think in the space of, of the youth, um, relationship building can be a challenge. A lot of uh, youth today spend a lot of time on their phone. We, we do recognize that. And maybe the, the, the relationship they have, it's less in person, right? Uh, mm -hmm. They do a lot more texting. Uh, I, I come to find out that they don't just text through the normal SMS text. They actually text on their TikTok account or text on their, through their Instagram. So it's like, it's like a backdoor text system. Uh, these are all insights you find out that it's not just normal texting that you and I may think of it as. It's texting through an app. And so um, 
you know, uh, I think the the communication and engaging and building relationships with with young adults is different, and yeah. uh, we're embracing it. We think that's a you know long term is a great strategy because I, I fundamentally believe less and less CEOs understand how to actually engage with uh, you know this next generation of employees, um, and so we're actively doing it today, so we can provide that uh, that insight. As these folks transition into the workforce, all I can say to my fellow uh, peers is watch out uh, oh, because yeah. they are uh, they engage different. Uh, and if we don't we don't change. Right. Um, they're going to be turned off and, and maybe decide to work somewhere else. There was an article. I forget where I read it, but um, basically the entire topic was what you just said. The, the youth entering the workforce are focused on the social responsibility of the company. Are they sustainable? Are they doing the right thing? More so than how much are you going to pay me? Yeah. We're really focused on doing the right thing. And we've never seen that before, to my knowledge. Yeah. And I'm not saying they don't care about money. Don't, don't get me wrong. They, they do care. They right? do care, uh, they but do it, care about money. But it's yeah. not the same. It's, it's yeah. not the same. Um, you, you see it all the time. Like youth are staying home more often. I think I read, uh, learned from some associates of mine that the average, you know, kids stay at home through almost 28 years old. Uh, it's, it's a dramatic shift. And when I was growing up, and literally when I turned 18 and, and I went off to college, my parents said, hey, yeah, I don't expect to see you here again. Nope. Um, it's changed. Uh, yeah. You know, kids are staying home, 26, 28 years old, still at home. Uh, right. You know, they're you know, moving in with their buddies and, 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 you know, just kind of not thinking about, you know, having kids and, and, and buying a house and buying a car. It's not, it's not something that uh, is, uh, is, is important to them. And so the social stuff definitely is there's, there's driven by social media. Um, they see what's going on. Uh, they have extreme amounts of visibility that we didn't have in our, in our generation. So, I always say get, get get with it or you know get left behind. A very valid point, actually, because it, the change is happening, and you can either catch up or you can get ahead of it. Yeah. And uh, so that's the so I, I you know we'll close out with, you know, talk about the future of navigating gray. What you expect? Pe- what can people expect from you in like the next six eight months? Wow, next six eight months. It's exciting. We're probably working around the clock. Um, on specifically on the technology portion of it. Um, again, we're trying to reveal, p- provide a platform solution for sustainability and social impact. A lot of companies, they have bits and pieces. They have a little platform here, they have a dashboard here, but truly these are kind of interconnected ecosystems. And so we're all about building the platforms around these things uh, where each of the, pla- each of the individual apps kind of work together and give you that kind of holistic solution. Um, working heavily with the youth, uh, I didn't share with you, but you know my, my co-founder Sanaa, she's got three three people who work for her. Uh, we've got global associates that, that she manages, even at sixteen, she manages them. Um, we're looking at bringing some additional youth on board uh, uh, during the next quarter, uh, and they're going to be heavily involved in data and data work. Yeah. So it's not. It's actually, you know, you know, reading uh, ESG reports, reading, you know, different corporate sustainability reports, um, actually capturing the data, um, actually doing some of the analysis work. So it's real work as what we're looking at doing in the next quarter is really bolstering our technology solutions and our data. Yeah. 
Yeah, an all-encompassing solution is what we need because everybody is kind of focusing on little snippets here and there. And for the average per, and then that's another thing that that you you focus on is the general public is not going to be able to pick up a sustainability report, ESG, corporate social, whatever you want to call it, and understand it completely. Yeah, and then funny because again, when Sanaa first got a chance, uh, when she first came on board, we said, "Hey, I want you to kind of get uh, acclimated to these topics. I want you to read these these, these ESG reports." And uh, she struggled for a while uh, because mm-hmm. of the verbiage, right? Um, some of the jargon that's used in those, uh, some of the cl- little cliff notes that are used in, on the back pages that kind of clarify things that, you, that aren't necessarily apparent to the average person. But she's got significantly better. She understands what an investment really is, although we use the word investment in many different uh, uh, forms in these type of reports. Uh, she really understands the difference between a financial investment versus investment in time versus investment in resources. So she's really starting to clarify some things. But um, it was it was a challenge for her. Um, but now you can see the progression over time where she can recognize things. And, you know, she does it as her job. Uh, yeah. An average individual who doesn't do his job, you know, I feel for him. There's no, it's probably not reasonable to expect that they would even understand it. Uh, yeah. And well, more importantly, that you know, we're really focusing on is defining what great looks like. What does a great ESG report look like? Um, and make it simple for the average consumer, the average employee to understand. Most employees don't even understand. They've never read their own ESG report. They don't even know what it, what it, what it, what it really means to the company. Yeah. Um, we're trying to do some work around that space of really making it digestible, really having an honest conversation of what great a great report looks like, not, you know, what everyone else is doing, you know, not being right there in the middle and in, in, in average, if you will. We look for, you know, greatness and we're trying to um, make it simple for consumers to understand this is what great work looks like um, versus, hey, you may perceive this report to be great because, you know, someone gave you an award, but. In reality, um, when you look at totality of, of everything, it's it's pretty average. Yeah, and people are still learning. As you said, no one's an expert right now. A lot of people claim to be, but this is a constantly evolving topic. Um, sustainability has been coined probably, what, 20 years ago? But we had corporate social responsibility. We had um, many other terms. It's this, you know, It's just doing the right thing and trying to put that into a report that is able to be understood by everybody is important, which is what you're doing. And people don't realize the Security and Exchange Commission or the SEC is going to be requiring these things. It's it's coming. And that and that's what's even more powerful about this narrative around getting youth in, exposed to this. I mean, I, I'm not embarrassed to say, but I really didn't get into the stock stock and, and equity market until probably my, my late 30s. Um, I really, I didn't, I didn't spend time, you know, reading about stocks. I, I had no exposure to it. Um, I probably got m- more exposure to it during the the pandemic than any time my my life because <laughs> everyone's making money and everyone's, you know, put money in in this stock and they they think they're uh, they can be a, a day trader at that point. But truthfully, um, standability has the ability of getting people exposure to the investors side of the house. It really has. Uh, ability to give people exposure to finance, yeah. Uh, which I would say a lot of minority youth, and I would say youth in general, have no exposure to that side of corporate or corporations, the investor side, the finance yeah. side. 
I didn't. Most sustainability authors don't have exposure to the finance side. I mean, I had spent, you know, time at Wharton and got to, you know, sit with several CFOs and, and uh, was quite apparent to me. Most people have never really stepped into that investor space. And so this, this is kind of getting you into the core of big business is the investor side of the house. Uh, and that's where I, you know, I think there's is immense opportunities just to get people exposed to it, understanding the implications of these things. And maybe that opens the doors up to different questions around, you know, 10 K statements and, and, you know, how companies work, how they make money, so on and so forth. And quite honestly, sustainability will not take hold unless the financial sector is on board. Let's be, let's be honest. We need, we need them to be on board. We need them to initiate the change. Otherwise people aren't going to do it. Yeah, which is unfortunate. But on that, um, Irving, thank you so much for your time today and the stuff that Navigating Gray is doing. The fact that you are engaging the youth of America world and worldwide to actually be part of that change. That is, that's pretty impressive stuff you're doing. And I'm, I'm looking forward to your all encompassing platform as well. Yeah, I look forward to sharing it in the next few months. And uh, thank you for your time, Wendy. Anytime, guys. So Wendy Nystrom, Environmental Social Justice with Irving Sloan from Navigating Gray. Guys, check out Navigating Gray. It's a fantastic company. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. All right.